Hello. You're listening to I Don't Deserve a Podcast, Episode 8, Make Bad Work Until It's Good, live from FITC 2019. What we were what we were chatting about right before the podcast, talking about uh, like what what you guys were writing your thesis on. You guys were kind of like, I don't don't ask me that. Um, I think the the last question I wanted to ask you guys is um, just kind of about the imposter syndrome specifically, and how that kind of affected your personal journey, your personal growth, uh, kind of throughout the program and throughout your undergrad and even now into being creators. Um, is that something you guys have to deal with on a day-to-day basis? Is it something you kind of have to work with? Like, just kind of walk me through the process of dealing with the imposter syndrome. I think Jonas has a great strategy, which is to lie. Because people, I mean, honestly, that's why I'm in this master's program. I may learn something, I may not, but I'll have a master's degree now. And a lot of people need to see something on a piece of paper to get in the door. Um, and I was a little naive. I thought this, you know, this would turn me into a different kind of person, but it hasn't. And so I think that for me, like, I'm almost 30. I'm like, I'm kind of at the point where I thought I could rely on other people. This program was like a last go of like, there's a structure, that's like an academic structure behind me. People are going to support me. They can give me tools. They can change me into something that the industry wants. But I think the, the biggest lesson is what we were talking about earlier, that you can just watch YouTube videos. You can, you can self-make yourself in a lot of ways. Um, so I, I feel really glad, actually, for what I've learned out of this program, which is that I have to kind of make myself. But I can also do it with people who are my peers. And it's not really about the professional environments that you put yourself in. It's about what you can show, right? Your portfolio is what gets you the job, not necessarily, like, the degree that you have. And that's what I'm going to do going forward is not focus on being good at the thing, but making bad work and then make more of it and make more of it and it'll get better. And that will get me the job. Oh yeah, I agree. I'm definitely of the camp of fake it till you make it. Um, when I came out of my undergrad, I started putting like the word producer on myself and like on my LinkedIn and on, you know, your socials. And in my head, I was like, well, what makes me a producer? And then I went to Humber and I started to work on some things with other people and I started to write more and I worked on some web series and now I'm producing a podcast. And now even being at FITC, um, I went to the talk where they had Red Paper Heart talking about how they want to create experiences rather than create something you can just look at on your phone. And that's kind of the lens that I'm taking my thesis in where I want to incorporate more experiences into branding and marketing rather than just social media influencers and using your phone, which I understand is a big part of it, but why can't you also have an experience? Right, so I do want to be an, kind of an experienced producer, um, but I can't really. I feel like I can't really brand myself as that just quite yet because I don't have that title. But like Bonnie was just saying, um, just keep making things, just start making things, and start creating and using your networks. And um, yeah, fake, fake it till you make it. Fake it till you have something really cool to show, and till you have a really good portfolio. But um, also being able to call yourself something. So I'm still able to call myself a producer because I know I can produce content and that's what I want to do, but it's just the type of content I want to produce. Um, I just have to keep saying I am one thing until you know I can show it. Until it's true. Until it's true, but if you say it and you put it in the universe, it's gonna happen, right? I would just argue that I was definitely more productive before getting into the program, even artistically. Uh, I was working as a busser in a restaurant and 
um, filming like nonstop whenever I wasn't. Just like uh, these Montreal artists who uh, were like very young young creatives who would either paint or rap or sing or like anything and then I would interview them and the videos that I wanted to do were essentially just b-roll of them doing their thing with uh, the sound the sound just being the interviews right and that project ended up being just the one episode about these two uh, street artists because the rest of the artists I interviewed were just not available because they had other commitments to pay rent, for example, and I just didn't have enough footage to make something awesome out of them, something that I was proud of. So what I kind of learned throughout this program is that there's other ways to put that media out there, and I hope to use the hundreds of hours of footage I accumulated of these people and make it either like some kind of documentary or an experience, maybe go back and film them now and see where they are, and kind of make it an educative tool to show that it's hard, but you can be creative if you stick your mind to it. Because those people, if they're still doing stuff out there, it'll make a way bigger statement if I put them on screen now, showing them like two years later, rather than just for that one summer where I filmed them. Awesome. So I do want, there's one last part of this, and that is, um, I'd love for you guys to talk, uh, or not necessarily talk, but your favorite artist or person you met at FITC, uh, and um, where people can find some of your work or just like your social media link or anything like that or and your full name. Cool, I'll start. Um, so my name is Samantha Fernandez. I tend to go by Sam on everything else. Um, maybe not necessarily my favorite one, but the one that has stuck in my mind the most at FITC so far has been G-Monk, just because it was so fucking weird, but so interesting um, to see the creative process kind of the way that he does it and the way that he does his designs going from doing like light shows to photography to now he's doing infrared photography it's just all really really cool stuff um, and you can find I'm working on my website currently um, but I'm a big fan of LinkedIn so you can find me at Samantha Fernandez 93 on LinkedIn or Samford S-A-M-F-E-R-D-D on Twitter um, I'm Bonnie Stinson, at Bonnie J. Stinson on all of your favorite social media platforms. Um, I think my favorite speaker was Emily Baltz, who is a sort of food experience designer, and she talked a lot about food as a medium and brought it back to the 30s futurists in Italy, which I realized, like, I'm that weird too, and I need to bring my weird forward a little bit. And what my thesis project is about is, like, it's like an interactive dinner party. It's using sort of multi-sensory design to persuade people to tell the truth rather than to buy a product. Um, and I was really inspired by how like chill and relaxed she was. Like she gave a great presentation and I don't see a lot of creatives like sort of delighting. Like she seemed a little drunk, which I really liked. Like it was really enjoyable to listen to her talk about her work. Um, so that's kind of what I'm taking from the conference is that sense of joy. Um, and yeah, that's the next step for me, same, is like update the website, like try to try to put my own thoughts out into the world, which I think I've been hesitating to do, but um, that's what I'm going to do going forward. Cool. Um, so you can find me under Colorblind Joe, C-O-L-O-R-B-L-I-N-D-J-O, the American way, basically, um, on like pretty much any social media. Um, so I'm building my website actually, colorblindjoe.com. Uh, hopefully it'll be finalized before this podcast comes out. If not, just check it out because it'll probably be sick because I've done some cool stuff in the last two years. Um, don't go on my Instagram. It's definitely not artistic. It's very douchey. Uh, LinkedIn, so linkedin.com slash colorblindjoe. And, uh, 
as for my favorite, I guess it was definitely Jason White, but just for the sake of, uh, you know, just like talking about something else. Um, I very much liked, I'm looking for these uh, people real quick. I'm sorry. Um, the World is uh, Your Button, Kyle Duffield and uh, Daniel Hopkins. It was really cool. They just like, they did the simplest stuff and the kind of stuff that makes you be like, damn, I wish I'd done that. Like, it's so simple. Like, it's just, these guys are the real geniuses here because they made a living off stuff that no one can make a living off of anymore because they already saturated that market. Or if you can, use it as inspiration to saturate another market so close to it. All right, thanks a lot. All right, thank you so much for coming on the show, guys. Uh, I'm going to be doing like kind of a big episode with all these uh, different interviews from FITC. So you'll be checking it. You can check that out. Uh, thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, I don't deserve a podcast, but I hope you listen to some of our past episodes. We've had some really amazing guests so far. And our upcoming episodes. Uh, Jason White actually might be on the episode uh, coming up, too, which will be cool. And some of our people that we met at FITC. Have a great day, guys. And thanks for listening. Hello and welcome back to I Don't Deserve a Podcast. I don't deserve a podcast, but I hope I deserve your listens and I'm sure you'll love today's episode. Uh, I'm here uh, live at FITC with uh, Nathan Jervicious. He is the creator of Scary Girl. That's right. A VR free roam game uh, that is coming out on a few platforms and being developed for some new platforms as well. So, Nathan, tell me a little bit about yourself, for those who don't know you, anything else that you're working on? Yeah, I mean, I uh, initially, many, many years ago, was a, like an editorial illustrator for a number of magazines, but then moved into kind of uh, interactive kind of media in the sort of the 90s. Um, but uh, now I'm uh, the creative director of a uh, VR, AR studio in Toronto, um, and I have been since uh, November last year. Um, but yeah, it's been a it's been a fun uh, new process. And what's the the company called? Just yeah, it's called uh, yeah Dark Slope. Dark Slope, yeah. And you guys are out of Liberty Village, I assume, right? Yeah, on uh, on Fraser. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I wanted to chat with you about um, uh, Scary Girl a little bit. And there's a lot of really cool things you guys are implementing in. Uh, one of the big things that I really appreciate and really really like is this idea of kind of like an infinite loop to create uh, content where you are rendering out a specific area and then once a character gets to the end of that area, you stop rendering out the older area, but there's no black space between. It just fully like uh, yeah, fluid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, for us, it's, uh, it's very... Um, it was very important when we were doing this uh, this experience or this game uh, to have it so that it wasn't um, going through like portals or through any cheats. Um, mm -hmm. So we didn't want people just to kind of get to a zone and then suddenly, you know, magically appear in the next environment. We wanted to feel like it was like truly a, a like a real time experience, so that you would be walking through this environment. Um, it would feel like a full twenty minutes of your life happening in this this moment, not sort of you know kind of broken up into chapters mm -hmm. and um you were talking about and i think it's really cool that you you have to have like that almost like story first mentality where it's it 
kind of takes you out of the immersive world if you have to like go through a loading screen or have through like a black black loading screen or something to like that totally totally yeah i mean that was for us um you know we didn't want people to feel like uh once they were in that they were in an actual you know game but they we wanted people to at first um just be amazed with the environment i mean that's that's the one thing that we've had um uh with most people is they just want to stand there and just look at the world yeah um, and then on top of that, we layered it with certain interactive kind of uh, gameplay moments that direct you through the through the world. So yeah, yeah, and looking at some of the gameplay of it, the actual character space that they can like walk around in is pretty small. But due to the the backgrounds and the whole world of it. Um, you're able to have like a lot of really awesome immersion moments. Yeah, I mean, we don't actually use any um, uh, physical barriers at mm -hmm. all, but the way we've designed it is um, by creating kind of these these sort of virtual barriers that don't feel like they're necessarily uh, restrictive um, walls that um, hem you in, but it yeah. makes you feel like you're actually in a world that's that's very very vast. So we're trying to do it so that the the um, the barriers become part of the environment and make you feel like you could see beyond and they're like a psychological uh, like a psychological barrier instead yeah, exactly. of a physical yeah, one yeah exactly so yeah. like a cliff or like a, a forest or something like that kind of thing yeah exactly yeah. yeah and there's a lot of stuff you can see through into the uh, deeper into the environment mm. so it kind of has a very um kind of uh just just a really uh, beautiful sense of um immersion and and scale as well scale is one big thing that we've tried to do with this yeah. game yeah yeah, because you were talking about, uh, you, I just uh, was there for your uh, lecture at FITC. You were chatting about, like, you wanted to allow the audience to be able to look at a flower for, like, a little while, but then continue on. Uh, do you want to chat with me about how you convince, like, how you lead the, the uh, character through to continue on the kind of journey through the game? Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the big things we wanted to um, introduce in the game, and which was important because it's called Scary Girl, is actually to have Scary Girl, the character, with you in the game. So okay. she does appear at various points, um, kind of leading you into um, various scenarios, um, and we've we've carefully designed her so that she isn't uh, encroaching in your space. Um, so she doesn't take up, say, uh, you know, the ground space. Yeah. But she's there um, whether she's standing on top of a cave or she's kind of on a ladder um, and you can actually hear her through the, uh, you know, your 360 kind of yeah. you know, headphone experience yeah, of where course. she is and she's the one that sort of guides you through. So it's really great to have an actual um, talking character that you feel like you've got a connection with. Yeah, especially when you're going through that interactivity, like interactive space, being able to have like a person that you can interact with, it almost gives it a little more scale because you see how big the world is, right? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you're not playing as a little uh, scary girl, who do you play as in the game? Or is it not really ever defined? No, it is actually defined because she uh, she introduces herself and then she calls you a reject in a sort of a playful way. Yeah. And because what she's saying is that she's been rejected by this creator and you as a player are one of her siblings. And so oh, you cool. are kind of like a, a rejected, uh, you know, clone sibling. Yeah. And you, together as a group, you're actually going to uh, venture to the city and overcome your creator who's destroying the world. And you you can play with other characters, right, in this world? Oh, yeah, totally, yeah. So, I mean, this is actually, you're physically set up so that 
you know, you can you can hug someone, you can you know uh, tap someone on the shoulder. Oh, um, really? In this game, because it's you've got six points of tracking. Um, you have uh, you're wearing backpacks and headsets, but yeah. there's no you're not tethered at all. So there's no um, there's no like wires attached to the the ceiling or anything like that. You're actually being able to freely walk through this world, a sixty by forty feet space, yeah, um, with uh, eight other people. That eight people, yeah, up to eight people. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. To have that much interactivity with other characters, I'm sure. Like, I mean, I haven't played the experience. I'm really hoping that I can jump over to the HP spot and try it out at the conference. But that's incredible to be able to have that kind of like interactivity, not only with the world, but with like your friends or the people you're playing with. Yeah, and actually, we're even um, going to be pushing that further with other projects where we're going to start getting um, actors to oh, come cool. in. So you can actually, instead of having, say, Scarigal as a, um, like a virtual character, it will actually be someone in uh, as Scarigal. So we'll oh. actually have be able to interact with you with whatever questions or whatever moment you have, almost like a sort of a uh, a dungeon master. Yeah, like a role playing yeah, game. That's exactly. actually yeah, exactly yeah. what I wanted to chat with you about yeah. is. I find like I've been seeing a lot more with VR and AR and stuff like that. And it's, it's very much taking an interactivity that was for a long time impossible. Um, very much like in, in Dungeons and Dragons or other role-playing games where you have your character, you have you, but you have this world that you get to explore. And I think it's really interesting because I wanted to chat with you about very similar to a dungeon master or a game master in role-playing games. You had the set, boundaries for this world but you also want it to seem super immersive but you also have to tell a story hmm. so it's like how do you like as a as a creative director and as like a person a part of the story how do you tackle that idea of like kind of ticking off all those boxes for an interactive storytelling game yeah i mean it's um i mean for me i'm always uh, starting off everything like storyboarding like a traditional kind of uh, linear animation, just yeah. in the sense that's how I like to begin things. Oh, for sure. Come from that background. Um, but then sort of looking at the way that different people um, experience something like a free roam world where, mm -hmm. you know, how do we let them have the freedom to do what they want um, but also putting in um, story beats that uh, make people um, venture through the game because we actually, unlike, um, say, Dungeons & Dragons where you've you could go on for hours and hours. Yeah. We, we only have you know up to twenty minutes in this exactly. experience. So we have we need to have very clear cues of uh, you know getting people through through the for world. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because and you don't want to seem like you're hand holding. I think it's really interesting that you're you're totally right. Like when you have like a VR experience like this, you do have a kind of finite time to to play through the world. And like if you don't finish it, it kind of feels it feels saddening to not get to the end and, mm. and finish the experience. And like in D and D where like you could sit in a bar for, for like four or five weeks, just mm. talking to everyone in the character. I mean, the, the game master wouldn't love that, but it's something that you could do. You don't really want to set up a world like that. You want to set up a world where you're really pushed to kind of go and explore and keep going through the story exactly. and the narrative. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, part of that, um, not only is that, um, you know, just it makes sense for this type of uh, experience, um, but also, you know, even on a commercial level. I mean, we, you know, we have this now distributed by um, a company called Zero Latency. Yeah. And they have a, a particular mandate in order to, you know, have a set number of people going through this, this uh, you know, um, game. And, you know, it seems like around about the 15, 20 minute mark is about the kind of the maximum you want to yeah. kind of go um, in order to get the next group through. Um, you could make these experiences much longer, 
but on a um, a commercial uh, level, it's it can be a little bit tricky. Whereas yeah. my my love would be, you know, why don't we do, uh, you know, four chapters broken over, you know, two hours, and yeah, exactly, and you get back into it after you've had a break or whatever. But yeah, right now that's not possible for for what we're doing. Yeah. And it's tough because it's like you have. Um, when it is a commercial side of it, you have very much like that idea of like, it is something that's very, I don't want to use the word intrusive, but it is kind of intrusive where you have to put the headset on, you have to put the visor on, you have to put uh, like the backpack on, you get to get set up and then it starts and then you have 20 minutes and then there's another group that comes through. Yeah. So you're not having the same freedom as say for instance, it was at your house. Like, yeah, or like exactly. a personal event. Yeah, yeah. And that's why, I mean, uh, even though our company doesn't necessarily concentrate on um, home experiences, mm-hmm. uh, it is something that we do think about uh, as an extra extension of yeah. our location-based ones. Mm-hmm. Is that maybe maybe there is a uh, something we can do at home that kind of ex- expands the experience? Yeah, because again, you have that whole idea of where because it's VR and because it's like based off of the system you have you could really have someone who has a very different experience based on the technology they have at home. Mm. When you're doing it in like a public event like this, you really get to control the the experience. You get to control totally. what's going yeah. on. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, gameplay versus like game, like almost like you're actually like, you're playing through this little world. Um, do you find, when did you kind of like first jump into the whole VR world and when did you kind of like develop, be like, hey, this is kind of the thing that I kind of want to try and, and test out kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd been involved in, uh, you know, the design of like, you know, years ago, like Flash games and then moved into kind of stuff with Xbox um, uh, briefly. Uh, so I kind of, my first sort of experience in free roam was uh, like about a year and a half ago. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was, I was sort of thrown in the deep end. It's kind of like, okay, you've done some games in the past um, and you have a kind of a, an IP you've developed. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we're going to do uh, free roam and we're going to, you're going to be part of a startup um, and we're going to be using technology that even the developers of certain hardware hadn't actually had never cre- done yet. Yeah. Or, or hadn't even created the software for it yet. So, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So there was stuff that they were still working out bugs and we had stuff that was so early on in their creation. Um, that they didn't even know quite how to work it themselves in their companies. So, yeah, so yeah. you were talking to me a little bit about it, it, become, it became a lot of logic questions, not necessarily technical questions, like how do we solve this problem? How do we do this X, yes. Y, and Z? Exactly, exactly. So, um, um, and that was, it was a fun experience, but it was also um, on, a, uh, on a timeline level, uh, it did make it a little bit um, tough because, uh, you know, normally you'd scope out a project and you'd say, okay, it takes a year. But yeah. and when we spent, you know, months just working out, you know, like t- the tech side of things and yeah. logic points as well, which we couldn't account for when we first began this project. And that's the thing, when you're working with a new platform, you really don't know where it's going to go and what you'll be able to do. So it's kind of like trial and error being like, oh, I'd love to do this in the story. Oh, we can't really do that. And yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. can we? Can we figure that out? Like yeah, from a logic yeah. standpoint. Yeah, exactly. Well, like cur- currently we're... um. We're doing a few projects with Magic Leap yeah. and, uh, and also the Quest, um, and uh, you know, just working out some of the limitations of that, and and the fact that you know, not many people actually have these. Um, yeah, exactly. Is, is a really hard thing to yeah. to work through, and especially from someone who. Like you kind of are hopeful that at some point it could be in someone's home kind of thing. And that most, yeah, most of the time. And so uh, I think the sort of the second generation of a lot of these kind of home uh, sort of high-end things will yeah. be cheaper and mm-hmm. then 
people can actually have at home experiences using um, Magic Leap as opposed to kind of only developers. Yeah. yeah. Um, so just because we're wrapping up a little bit because it's a little bit of a shorter episode, I wanted to chat with you about the imposter syndrome, which is kind of the whole topic of the show. Um, did you find because you're creating a game that is for a platform that doesn't really like you do it hasn't been fine-tuned it hasn't been created does that make it even more feel like you're not deserving of being like a pioneer for this format do you ever did you ever have that kind of feeling or yeah i mean at the start i basically had no idea uh i mean i had a little bit of an idea but i didn't have an, enough of an idea of what it truly meant to do free roam so for me it was kind of like yeah i mean just normal home vr i can do this this and this it's so simple but then um actually doing you know free roam stuff i was like yeah i don't know if am i, am I qualified enough to you know um be an art director in this kind of field but you kind of learn you know even within a few months it was uh, the cur learning curve was pretty fast and yeah. now it, it just feels pretty natural to know what you can and can't do and you know the best way to maximize an experience i do you find that because most of your team or because you were working with like a newer platform because you were working with kind of like that that new that new stage of of vr and stuff like that did you find almost like you were learning how to not only be um like not not only be like appropriate for the job but also learn the skills like because because the platform wasn't really created super like fleshed out did that make it easier to kind of like gain everything does that make sense yeah yeah i mean i think we were all because we're, yeah we were all learning on the on the job um but we're, you know also i was surrounded by um some really talented people so yeah that I makes mean, for a me, huge it, difference yeah, if, if it was just me but I, I mean i had you know some you know amazing technical people around me so you know my initial uh role was more about just you know on the design kind of level mm -hmm. but then looking at kind of like how do you design spaces that work in this environment and and i actually became i realized that it's actually more like um designing a, a set for a play almost yeah. it feels like that's what it felt very like. it theatrical felt like a, yeah it felt almost like um i don't know if you've been to that new york experience where you uh walk through a house kind yeah, of thing. yeah yeah it's, it felt more like yeah like a haunted house experience but in real life but then it's like an escape room almost. Yeah, that's yeah. And so I was more familiar with that type of um, design. So in the end, I just had to shift my thinking. But yeah, I did go through a moment where I was like, um, "Hey guys, I don't know if I'm really mm, the <laughs> really, person for the, the really job. person for this." Yeah, but it was my IP, so maybe that's part of it as well. Oh, I, for I, sure, because it's did your have, idea. Yeah, I had an understanding of all the characters and the stories, but the actual technology side of things was very, very limited. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so final thing is just um, for people who want to create, people who want to not necessarily get into free room specifically, but just want to create and are feeling that sense of like the imposter syndrome. Is there any tips or anything you can give them? Any feedback that you think that they should really, that you kind of wish you told yourself when you were starting out kind of thing? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would have uh, definitely, I mean, we did our uh, project in Unreal and um, I would have like to have had uh say a few months of just messing around with uh the unreal engine or whatever engine we're going to be using yeah uh, for this it would have been great to have a stronger understanding of um for me uh the the art aspects of of a, of a game engine i think that was something that if i knew that beforehand um i would have probably gone into this in a lot more smoother way yeah so basically the idea is like if you have anxiety about starting a new project just 
keep tinkering away at the platform until you become a little more confident with it? I think so. Yeah, I think it's more about just um, like uh, don't be overwhelmed. Uh, there's so many uh, tutorials now mm-hmm. on on everything. Yeah, uh, it doesn't you know from anything from like uh, you know how to make cool shoelace uh, patterns to uh, you know baking a uh, some exotic cake or whatever yeah uh, it doesn't matter what you want uh, you will find it online so yeah. if you're overwhelmed just search it and you'll just actually find use the resources that you have at exactly your, at your yeah thing. yeah because i remember when i first started uh you know in illustration i mean it was like the early 90s yeah uh you know there was no kind of internet tutorials to do anything it was yeah. you know asking people um whereas now uh there's so much information that you just you know just look it up and i think that's another really great point just to end off is just like you have a lot there's a, a lot of like there's thousands on thousands of people working in the field that you want to get into and just a lot of the times people love mentoring and people love helping and developing new like people like students people like who are really just getting into it so just reach out worst case yeah, scenario they don't yeah. get back to you but yeah, like it's worth yeah, worth yeah. asking yeah totally i mean that's exactly what i did i when i first started i just sat in in us in various studios just called up people said hey can i just hang out and i would just sit there for days and just eventually they would start saying hey do you want to do this and do you want to do anything yeah do you want to do yeah. anything and i'm like yes and uh, that's how i got started was just being super annoying <laughs> I love that, um, and so that's that's our little uh, tidbit from FITC with uh, with Nathan here. Um, is there anywhere people can find you, like on social media? Is there any projects you want to tell people about? Uh, yeah, I mean, we um, uh, currently where um, the studio is working with um, a company called uh, Pakeco, who are part of uh, Weta Workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing some stuff with uh, Magic Leap uh, with them right now. Um, we're uh, obviously based in Liberty Village, so you can actually experience the uh, our development studio for Scary Girl. Cool. Um, so, yeah, we're lots and lots of um, interesting AR and VR location-based properties that we're working on right now. And if someone wanted to try out this experience, is there, like, an email they can reach out to, uh, social media? Yep, if you go on to um, uh, the darkslopestudios.com website, uh, there's a link to uh, booking a time to test the, uh, the game. All right. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, we look forward to seeing more from uh, Dark Slope and from uh, Scary Girl. Thanks so much. Thank you.